Okay. Um, if Matt or whoever Matt designated to uh, our verses, uh, chapter 16 and 17 of Numbers, it's a long passage, so um, I'm going to have us read it on our own, but this kind of the theme of opposition and rebellion to Moses and God, especially um, we've been covering that. We started with the, the people in general. Uh, they complain, I think, about uh, um, various things, a lot to do with travel, a lot to do with the food, a lot to do with the situation. And then they had the, the uh, big fallout when um, they refused to go into the land of Canaan and God had to pronounce, pretty much disinherit them. And then last time we met, we talked about uh, rebellion coming from within uh, Moses' own family, his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron, they kind of stood up against him and, uh, you know, God showed his special um, call on Moses' life. And so, um, yeah, this is kind of the last um, kind of type of opposition or rebellion, but it comes from some Levites um, who were of the tribe of Aaron and Moses, and also from some Reubenites they uh, question Moses's authority and stuff. So uh, if you could read the verses on your own and Matt, if you could put up uh, the first question as well, if you get finished, maybe you could give some thoughts to the first question. And if you have any uh, suggested answers, you can put it up on chat.
Okay, um, any thoughts on question one or um, verbally, or you guys can post it on the chat? So uh, the moon's asked a question, what's a sensor? I think it's the thing that you uh, have fire in and I think you can, like when you have to do incense, it's that metal thing, kind of candle lighter, kind of, it looks like a candle lighter. Okay, so uh, Matt <clears throat> offered a thought that um, they placed themselves above the Israelites. Um, okay, and then Dathan and Abiram were uh, upset about uh, their situation. Um, didn't Dathan, uh, Dathan and Abiram also say something about Moses kind of being a, like a prince over them, though, lording it over them? Uh, yeah, they said um, lording over them, but I wasn't sure if they meant um, from his like background. Like from his uh, being brought up in the prince, prince uh, in Egyptian pharaoh household. Yeah, I wasn't sure because they just said that you lorded over us. And it could just be that, um, I mean, I think when someone lords something over you, it could be that they're just like putting it kind of like making it known like, oh yeah, I, I'm, you know, disposition and you're not kind of thing. So I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, I think they, they're accusing him of like, you know, acting all better than he is. So in that sense, I, I see an overlap with what you said about Cora, but yeah, they did mention a lot about the kind of how the result of his leadership is that they're stuck in the desert. Right, I, I did see the ESV version. Uh, he acts like a prince uh, among them. Any other commentary from you guys? Um, I, I think uh, if you look at Korah, so, you know, Korah is a fellow Levite uh, from the same tribe. And so he himself has some um, 
duties and responsibilities and privileges with respect to uh, taking care of the temple. Um, but he was not part of the priesthood, right? The priesthood was a, even a very uh, select or narrower group. So these were uh, assigned or God picked uh, only the male descendants of Aaron, Aaron and his uh, sons and grandsons, uh, etc., would be only they were qualified or, or enlisted as priests. And so uh, Korah is, I think, um, I think Matt mentioned jealous um, that he, uh, he doesn't see why Aaron's family has to be special, right? Why can't, um, and, and I think, I don't know how you guys look at it, but I think he's being pretty clever um, in his argument, right? So verse three, he says, the whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Uh, so I think that's true, right? Uh, God called everyone to be, uh, in a sense, uh, priestly, right? Um, he called them a kingdom of priests. They were to, uh, maybe they don't have the official role or the official title, but, um, you know, his selection of them and his consecration of them uh, I think they were holy and um, so he makes it an issue of Moses and Aaron I guess um, exalting themselves why do you set yourselves above the Lord's uh, assembly right? um, so basically I think he's kind of being tricky here he's saying look everyone's holy you know the qualification is that you're holy, everyone's holy. You should expand the priesthood. You know, why limit it? Um, I think he's suggesting that Moses is the one who is, you know, keeping it to himself and his family, maybe favors to his brothers and, and their and their and, and Aaron's uh, lineage. But, you know, it's clearly a, a decision by God, right, uh, to do that. So, I think Korah wants to be a priest. Right? Korah wants to be a priest, but he doesn't come out and say it. But I think Moses sees right through it. And he sees that he wants to kind of grasp or um, you know, elevate himself uh, to that, even though I think Korah is a little more clever in, in his writing. Good. Um, the comment from the Hua chat is, is, is good. So yeah, they were uh, together. So yeah. Okay, um, now the, those Dathan and, and Abiram, they're part of, uh, of, of the tribe of Reuben. If you recall, Reuben was the eldest son, right? But he made some kind of, uh, he had, he, he, he's, he's kind of said some funny things and, and commentators will, will suggest that he kind of forfeited some of his um, standing and stuff. But some suggest that Dathan and Abiram were kind of like, hey, we're the children of the, we're the descendants of the eldest. How come, you know, we're, we're chopped liver? How come we don't get to do anything? And you, Moses, 
Uh, so their issue, I think, as Matt pointed out, was they try to attack Moses in terms of his um, the results, right? You set us out and you are you, you put us in a terrible place and we're suffering. Where is this um, land flowing with milk and honey? And they use that term in verse uh, 14, will you gouge out the eyes of these men? Uh, it's kind of like Moses was kind of hoodwinking them. And so they're saying, we see through this now. We're not going to let you mislead us anymore. Right? You, you had your chance, Moses, and you, uh, you messed up. You messed up um, and stuff. So uh, it's interesting the way the, the, the passage flows. You start out with they're kind of combined, like all of their names, including 250 you know, sad to see leaders, right, um, joining them. And then you kind of get the issue with Korah, and then separately you get uh, in, uh, the kind of, you figure out what Dathan and Abiram are saying, and then it goes back to Korah, right? A, a test is uh, uh, kind of set up, and then it goes back to <laughs> Dathan and, and Abiram, and, um, and then they're lumped together again, and then you have this, whatever sinkhole or this, this kind of judgment incident. And then you get the, the, the 250, uh, uh, you know, get fire from heaven kind of thing. So I think um, what I'm trying to say is that there is both, you know, uh, commonality and distinction there. Uh, so as Joe pointed out, the, I think the grumbling, the challenges to leadership, the rebellion, that's common, right? Uh, but as we separate out what they were actually um, trying to um, point out or, or, or allege against Moses, there, there is some kind of specificity. There is some, uh, you know, distinction uh, to that. But in the end, they are all kind of judged uh, together or in the same incident, the same uh span of time so i think you could say that how god responds or god reacts is um yeah it, it's consistent or um he treats uh the rebellion the same way okay let's move to question two which uh, I, I i as you might expect i'd like us to think about moses's response right so moses is hearing the accusations and it was funny that he, not funny, but it's strange, I think, that as he hears these um, challenges, Moses' first instinct is to pray. Right? He falls face down. Him and Aaron consistently uh, pray for them, intercede before God, because they know that bad things can happen, and bad things did happen. But they at least stay the hand of God for a time. They at least, I think, spare some of the people. But, um, you know, I think uh, it would be natural for Moses to be defensive, right? It would be, he could, uh, uh, you know, retaliate. But, um, yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what is Moses's kind of goal or what is important to him as you see uh, as you guys read what he what he says, um, 
on these particular uh, tests and, and how to uh, deal with um, the um, challenges that have come in. Well, I think um, Moses, um, let's, for everyone to see that God will be the judge, right? Who God picks it. So that way, you know, there's no dispute or, you know, whatever reasoning that he gives or whatever, <clears throat> whatever he does, you know, he, he wants everyone to see clearly, definitively that, you know, God is the judge and he will choose, right? Um, uh, um, will make the final decision. So I think that kind of makes it very clear to everyone, um, you know, where God is leading or who God picks. So um, there's no question about it. Okay, great. Yeah, he, you know, he doesn't take matters into his own hands. He doesn't like, you know, try to um, prove his own worth or his own qualification, but he uh, wants God to... Um, God to answer. He wants God to uh, definitively, as Matt said, uh, show uh, what God's will is, right? his purpose. Why, well, thank you shows that Moses really is confident that God will defend him on his behalf. Because, you know, if you propose something like this and nothing happens, then, hmm. <laughs> right? And so um, I think Moses is confident because he has that relationship with God, that the setup of the priesthood, you know, he, he's the one who heard God pointed it. So he has confidence that God will back it up. And, um, and you know whether this particular method, you know, you know, I'm not sure if God told him to do this, or he is just, you know, confident that God will back him up. But I think it just shows that um, he trusts that God will, you know, defend um, him and what, and also what God said before he will uphold. Because right? I don't think there's anything new. I mean, th these are all things that God have ordained before, right? So I think that's, and, you know, I think maybe he's really humble, even if God doesn't do anything and they want to take it, I think he'd be okay too. Yeah, I, I think those are helpful um, explanations, David. Um, you know, I, I, as I've been trying to, I think each time we look at this uh, sort of similar aspects, um, you know, what was Moses's kind of theology of leadership, right? Um, it really was, you know, whatever God wants him to do, he will do. And if it means um, leading these rebellious people and having to field um, time after time, their complaints and their grumbling and um, having to, you know, respond to 
um, just the worst kinds of, you know, challenges and, um, you know, just, just their, their aggression against him. Um, he really kind of falls back on God because that's, that's all that matters to him. And as Dave said at the end, if God took him out of that position, Moses would be fine with it. And it's such a contrast to like Korah. Right? Korah accuses Moses of, of, his, of himself. Like he's, Korah sees himself in Moses, right? or he projects himself into Moses and saying, you did this because you want the highest place. You want power. Moses is saying, I don't want this. Right? Unless God makes me do it, I wouldn't, this would be not my choice. Um, and, you know, so it's interesting how I think uh, leadership is often or, or success is often uh, portrayed as, you know, it's there for the taking, right? But Moses would say, no, power and success and leadership is theirs for the giving, for the receiving from God, right? And so uh, even though it's difficult for Moses, I think he still uh, is consistent with um, this picture that um, because God has said it, they, you know, this, this is the way. Uh, so I feel like the, the structures, the theories, the, mm, the practices of leadership, those are all secondary to in Moses's mind to, you know, God's, God's will and God's purpose uh, for them. And so I think is, you know, we've been pointing out um, the fact that he really turns to God to either verify or reject his leadership. That's like, so Moses, that's very consistent. And, you know, um, there's this, you know, absolute trust that, you know, God will take care of this, and, and God does, right? Um, and as you know, Matt was pointing out, these tests, I think, are, if God doesn't act, then, you know, Moses is left with nothing. You know, this um, accepting of, of authorized fire or incense or all that, um, that unless God um, responded, kind of like, you know, the Elijah battle on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, unless God showed himself, you know, Moses is, uh, would be at a loss, right? And, you know, he said the, the test itself for Dathan and Abiram was, unless you see God act supernaturally, then, you know, you can discredit me. Uh, I have confidence. Um, I know that God will act uh, supernaturally and you will know that this is not my doing it's not my choice it's not my plan it's you know so he somehow Moses is able to point them to God even in rebellion isn't that amazing like you know we can point to God let's say if there's a lot of good things happening like oh because you know you prayed like you know I, I preached on Sunday because you know uh, Jairus had faith you know, something worked, his daughter got healed, people got impacted, you know, all those great things. But this is such a negative and, and kind of uh, ugly uh, scenario. 
and yet Moses is so close to God. He's so uh, one-hearted with God that he can turn this into like a, he, he can point to, you know, God's reality, God's presence, right? even though he's, you know, uh, I think being gutted um, big time uh, by these people. You know, Korah is a fellow Levite. Um, you know, he's familiar with the temple matters. Um, um, and then, uh, you know, Dathan and Abiram, they, they, um, I think they, they actually like offend Moses even more, right? So I, I was thinking a lot about verse 15 and Moses actually becomes angry, right? Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. Right? So maybe Moses' anger is not good, but the fact that he can say I'm blameless, like I've not used my power, I've not used my position um, to take advantage of anybody. I've not received anything. I've not taken anything. I've not wronged any of them. I mean, that's... That, I think that really hit me that, you know, Moses is a person who's doing God's bidding for God alone and not for his own sake. He is not taking advantage of the perquisites, right? I think that's what emoluments are, right? That you take, you know, advantage of your position and power and no need to get into the, to the relevance of that in, in America today. But it, it's this kind of respect for you know god's call and and, and moses's complete uh uh you know re recusal re refusal uh, separation um you know he has no conflict of interest and uh, even though aaron is his brother it wasn't his idea right and even though um there is Moses wields a lot of like plenary power. He could do pretty much, I think, what he wants. This leadership entrustment is safe in him because he doesn't do anything for himself, right? He does only what, you know, God commands him uh, to do. So um, I don't know, this, uh, you know, uh, this example, uh, very kind, it's a kind of a far off, long ago, um, a very different kind of situational uh, kind of context. And yet, you know, I feel like there are lessons, so many lessons uh, to be learned here. Um, any other um, thoughts on, um, on the tests or, or what Moses' state of mind was that you guys want to share or bring up? That part about Taking the donkey, I think also Moses's descendants had no special portion, right? Because Aaron's descendants had the priesthood. The rest of the Levites have their respective, you know, responsibility in the tabernacle. But Moses, he is a Levite as well. But I think his descendants have no allotted blessings. Right? Is that true? I don't. I'm not quite sure of this, Pastor Daniel. Yeah, I, I would. I would think maybe. Um... You know, I, I think they are Kohathites themselves, right? I think Moses and Aaron and uh, Korah had a common ancestor in Kohath. 
So I think Moses's male sons would also be Kohathites, but they, but I don't think they inherit any special of Moses's kind of responsibility. Um, just a couple comment, more, more thoughts on um, kind of the complaints themselves. Um, so, you know, with, with Korah, you know, Moses points out that, you know, you guys are Levites. God's already blessed you. You should be thankful, right? I thought that was kind of telling that he would uh, remind them of, you know, so I think Korah really is ambitious. He wants to, he wants more than he has, and because Moses and the, and, and Aaron, the, the priests, represent something that is whatever denied him or he's excluded from, um, he 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 wants it right, and and that really is um, often the I think the the origin or the the the. Uh, the seed of discontent. Uh, somebody or some group or some people have something that you don't see why you don't get it as well, right? And, and it could manifest in so many forms. Um, it could manifest socially where people have access to jobs or education or, or privileges that you know you you feel like you have just the same right to, but you don't have. You're denied it. Uh, when it comes to like, you know, God, um, maybe we feel envious or we feel bitter that a certain person has more talent or more natural abilities um, than we do. Um, you know, when when jobs are assigned or when responsibilities are given or positions are distributed, um, if we feel that um, someone that we're more qualified than others are, or if someone else less qualified than us is given that, then, you know, we, we can kind of stew over it. So it, it really, um, this kind of attitude, uh, this kind of, of uh, uh, issue really can, uh, uh, you know, show up so many times, so many, uh, different ways and it can cause you know you know division it can cause strife it can cause you know a lot of a lot of uh, negativity right and it seems like M Moses is trying to combat that by saying you know where's where's the gratitude you know where's the sense of privilege you know the fact that you guys are Levites at all is you know something to uh, to really thank God for, right? Um, you know, again, approaching Christian life, approaching, uh, uh, you know, uh, serving God with this kind of humility that I, I don't deserve anything God gives me, right? Uh, any service opportunity God gives me, any call, any blessings, uh, these are all by God's grace and not by qualification or by merit. Um, that seems to be kind of what, you know, Korah really stumbles at. Um, and then um, 
you know, Dathan and Abiram, right? You know, their, their complaint, uh, it's, it's kind of, to me, it's unfair because um, they're the ones, I don't know if they were, they're part of the group, but, you know, they were part of all the people that refused to go into the promised land. They were in their predicament because of their choice and not, it wasn't Moses's fault even, right? And they, I think they are trying to um, evoke this kind of, you know, false um, allegation that, you know, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Right? They blame him, but it's not, he, he wanted to go in. So it's again, this um, very particularly Israelite uh, kind of uh, using, uh, taking um, um, whatever blame or responsibility and uh, which really belongs, you know, falls on them and kind of foisting it on someone else, right? And a lot of our grumbling and complaint, if you really kind of, you know, deconstruct it and kind of break it down to its components, I find that this happens a lot, right? That uh, I am so good at pointing fingers. I'm so good at uh, finding fault in others, right? And I um, like to um, hold others responsible without, you know, applying the same standard to myself and not, um, you know, realizing my contribute contributory whatever negligence or fault or or, or whatever uh, the case may be. Even I, I think this connects back to like the rebellion uh, in, in another way too. Uh, remember they were saying that the the ten bad spy the sp ten spies who gave the the, the bad re evil report said the land the, this this land is no good. It swallows up its inhabitants. And that was the judgment that God used. I thought that was crazy that whatever sinkhole or some sort of earthquake, um, you know, just kind of um, caused these people to fall in. And, um, you know, that's what they were afraid of, you know, and yet they still, um, so they refused to obey God. And then they got you know, this as their kind of punishment and all that. So, um, it, it's uh, it's a very serious business uh, following God. Right? There's certainly uh, amazing blessings, and uh, God is uh, so gracious and so wonderful. Right? He he's powerful, um, but he wants us to really know ourselves, and he wants us to be you know authentic before him. And um, you know, once we start thinking of ourselves in a kind of a sinful way, once we um, start pointing fingers and uh, doing that, uh, there, you know, there can be consequences and very serious ones uh, at that. So uh, this, this chapter is a very sobering one, I think. <laughs> the, the last question, um, Matt, uh, that let's just spend a couple seconds on is, yeah, um, if you look at the Israelites, um, I feel like they're 
they're, they're not a they're not a good group like there's no you know truth telling there's like it seems like they're like uh, spectators like almost like a roman coliseum right where they're watching the battle here are these leaders you know uh, lock locking horns and you know they're, they're not like hey none of them are kind of um naysaying the the rebellers and um, you know they had just you know realized that moses and aaron are, are you know god's appointed right and but they're like almost i feel like an audience egging on this kind of confrontation um there's no honesty or maturity uh before them um and uh and then they're always um like they're always i don't know throwing up their hands and saying we're gonna die we're gonna die and you know certainly like i said it is a various thing and a very serious thing and it's very possible that they would have been destroyed it had not moses and aaron interceded but um you know like at the end when chapter 17 when the when the staff budded i mean there was no uh, it was a miracle, right? And it was a, a sign of authority given, granted to Aaron and, and, and Moses. But, you know, they are so used to like, I don't know, running around and, and, and getting flustered, like, in, like, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. But I don't know, they just seem so um, kind of unable to be grounded. Uh, they, they seem so hapless. They seem so spiritually kind of dull uh, and stuff. So um, I don't know. Um, anyone have quick thoughts on, on, on why the Israelites were like that? Yeah, I don't have any quick thoughts either. I thought you guys would uh, do something. Okay. Yeah, they're very um, revisionist and, and they're forgetful, right, of how bad it was. And they keep talking about the good old days in, in Egypt. Um, yeah, they seem like they're kind of fried. I feel like, I don't know if they, it, it was so hard to escape from Egypt and, you know, this, you know, uh, they, but they're very like, I don't know, they're very flighty. And uh, yeah, they're very, like... Uh, as Alice said, they're so stressed. Um, and all that. Mm. Maybe it's easier also just to, you know, kind of be open and sensitive uh, when things are going well. But at this point, you know, they turn back from the promised land and just kind of uh, things are not going well. And so sort of degenerate into this backbiting and second guessing and you know not really uh, uh, looking at God's will in this but looking to blame yeah I think that's uh, it's cogent um, I was thinking that at bottom they somehow find God not they don't like following the things that God has given them I don't know if it's natural kind of stubbornness on their part, uh, but somehow uh, the sense I get, and I can't, I can't, I'm not sure I can 
you know, pinpoint it is um, they're not happy with what God is, you know, leading them through. If, if, if God had done it like in a different way, I don't know how that would be, but easier and, and kind of things that the people liked and he didn't test them so much and he wasn't always like in their face and he wasn't always threatening them. And, you know, it wasn't so much holiness, <laughs> you know, and the, the Mosaic law wasn't so long and, and you know, these Moses wasn't so long. I don't know. It's it somehow, you know, they're, they just, they, their version of what a chosen people is like was you know so different from what they were experiencing and, and I think that leads to a, a very strong sense of like um yeah it's just kind of un, they're just ungroundedness and like they're swayed they're, they're, they're really like um they're kind of pitiful I was thinking yeah I, when I look at them I I mean, of course, it's always easy to judge them from our perspective, but they've been slaves for so long that this victim's complex is just really hard for them to shake. And that that's all, you know, so the, the present, whatever they're going through, you know, the, the present problem is all, it seems like they can deal with and they can't see the bigger picture even though God is calling them to such a grand relationship with him and, you know, giving them all these laws that really, you know, society is based on these days. And they, at that point in their lives, or it's, I feel like they're still trying to shake off the fact that they were, you know, there have always been victims. And um, I mean, I, I feel like I see that sometimes um, in people and myself, or, you know, just things that uh, no matter what God does, it's just hard to, to shake off the, the identity that we've assigned ourselves as victims, that, that, that the world has dealt us such a, a tough hand, even though God has been so gracious, you know, like, like you're saying, God did so much. They've experienced you know, 10 plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea, you know, even they, they've experienced so much, but yet I feel like their mindset is still stuck. Um, and they're going to need a lot, a lot more, you know, from, from God and God meets their needs, right? Um, in, before they, they can come out of that kind of identity. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I, I like that a lot. Uh, I, think, I think that that does uh, resonate with me, in my understanding of of, of you know, this could explain um, their, their behavior. Um, let, let me uh, just finish on a on a more on a slightly positive note. I think Aaron is kind of. Uh, ooh, there's more from the naps. Hmm. Yeah, similar thoughts. Good. Uh, Aaron, um, if you recall, all the way back in, I think, 12, you know, Aaron was just like Korah and Dathan and Nibiram, but he learned big time that, you know, God's, God's choices are sovereign. 
So here, uh, it, it actually started in 13 and 14 in, in the rebellion against uh, at Kadesh Barnea, but um, here, um, Aaron is, you know, praying with Moses and he has to go out and, you know, <laughs> make sacrifice. I'm not sacrifice, do the censors. And he's running around trying to keep the, the bedlam from, uh, you know, resulting in loss of life and stuff. So uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting that, um, you know, Aaron learned if Aaron possessed kind of what we've been saying, the Israelite mentality, um, somehow uh, he he changed. And I think that's that's encouraging that, you know, even despite our, his own histories, personal histories with God and, you know, the, the, the our slowness to learn and our constant discontent and, you know, challenging, you know, maybe it's not like a, a challenging a leadership uh, thing or, or, but, you know, other issues with God that we have, you know, Aaron, it, and then chapter 17 ends with it's Aaron's staff, not even Moses' staff, right? It's Aaron's staff that butts. So um, it really, I think it shows a picture of God's grace and then um, Aaron's growth. And I think that's what we're hoping for, right? We're hoping that God's grace is sufficient for us and it trans is transformative, right? That we're not always stuck. We're not always, you know, kind of struggling with the same problems that we really can grow. Um, that we can experience the promised land kind of spiritual life, right? Okay, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the brothers and sisters that want to uh, read and learn and talk about your word. Um, as we read about the difficult journey that the Israelites had and um, as we feel for Moses and uh, Aaron and, uh, and all that they went through, um, uh, we realize that human, uh, human beings, uh, human relationships, human societies, um, such a challenge. And uh, if we had any <laughs> uh, illusions otherwise, Lord, we realize that, you know, whatever the greatest democracy in history is, uh, learning that big time in real time. And so we pray for mercy pray that as you showed yourself mighty in Moses's life and gracious in the Israelites life that we too will look to you um, as David said Lord help us to be confident in God alone thank you for our time and continue to be with us in our fellowship in Jesus name we pray amen <laughs>